It's time to make the dough rise, the financial podcast with Brian Doe. Well, hey there. Welcome to another edition of Make the Dough Rise. Walter Storholt here with Brian Doe, certified financial planner at Living Worth Wealth Advisors, serving the Lake Country and beyond, office in Greensboro, Georgia. You can find us online at livingworth.com for more information, past episodes, and lots of other great resources for you. Brian, good to be with you this week. What's up in uh, what's up in your world and your part of Georgia? Oh, we've just been kind of in our groove. We had a nice pizza party this past weekend, so... Uh, Ooh, the pizza, the pizza place good. in town that had wood-fired pizzas closed down, and so now I've got a bunch of friends that are suddenly interested in in my pizza, my pizza recipe. So I, I've been doing dough workshops, pizza handling workshops, and uh, yeah, getting some new uh, trainees. It's good. I love it. That's fantastic. I, I can <laughs> see it now. I mean, you're going to have like a financial advisor office that takes place inside of a pizzeria. Inside, gonna, inside of a pizzeria, yes. You're going to end up opening your own pizzeria, and then you'll just meet with clients in the pizzeria. It'll just be... I like it. I like yeah, it. It'll like be like a nice merge of, of the two businesses. Dare to dream. Put it put it, put it, it on the list. I thought that would be fun to do with a coffee shop. Like if you were a, a financial advisor and you also had a coffee shop, and you could just meet people for coffee and have the coffee you know, made right there and... You know, then people could even then like hang out at the coffee shop after the meeting or whatever the case may be. be there, there's cool. actually a bank up in uh, North Atlanta, I think up near Woodstock or maybe okay. um, Alpharetta, where they incorporated a coffee shop into the bank. Yeah. And it, it does exactly like you're saying. You can go hit the bank, do your deposits, and then have a cup of coffee, get some remote work done, get Wi-Fi. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've seen people do it. Not a bad strategy, not a bad way to do it. So very, very good. Uh, well, let's dive into today's episode, Brian. And uh, before we talk about food too long and start getting hungry like we always do, mm-hmm. uh, because we've got a big topic we have to take a bite of today. And I feel shameful, Brian, because you know we went with one of those kind of clickbait head- headlines, although we added the word is, and so I feel like that made mm-hmm. it not clickbaity. If we had said Social Security going broke, That had been clickbaity, but we said, is Social Security going broke? So we're kind of just posing the question to to lead things off today. But boy, this is one of those things you see out there all the time, isn't it? Yeah, and really, we could modify that and just say we moved the word is. You could say Social Security is going broke. Oh, it would be really clickbait, right? Or is Social Security going broke? Big big difference. And we're— Or or when Social Security goes broke. Yeah, when is Social Security going (laughs) broke? and, and, And that headline captures a lot of people and captivates them. And they believe that, uh, you know, they, they panic and need to make decisions to get as much as they can before it goes broke. And, and this is leading people to make a lot of bad decisions. So um, what I want to do is I've got a lot today and I'm going to try and outline what some of the major changes that could be on the horizon that have been proposed that you know people are kicking around and doing the calculations on wh- which strategies are going to potentially fix social security funding and um, get people to relax about it a little bit. But for, first let me, I've got a little clip from Elizabeth Warren. I want to play you that was her on the house floor, I believe back in 2013. Let's, can you play that clip Walter? And let's just hear what Elizabeth Warren was saying about uh, social security funding nine years ago. Look at the basic facts. Today's Social Security has a $2.7 trillion surplus. If we do nothing, Social Security will be safe for the next 20 years, and even after that, we'll continue to pay most benefits. With some modest adjustments, we can keep the system solvent for many more years, and we could even increase benefits. 
All right, there's a lot there. And if you hear her start out, she says, "Social. this is just nine years ago, Social Security has plenty of money. There's a $2.7 trillion surplus. And that's part that's true. Uh, and I'll, I'll get to where that trust fund came from in just a second. But she, there she's talking about, you know, we've got 20 years where we can pay benefits. And then even then we'll, we'll still be able to pay most benefits. And then at the end there, there's the, the key with some minor changes, with some tweaks, we can make it viable and sustainable for a long time. All of that is somewhat true, but what, what she fails to really look at is how long that $2.7 trillion would last, right? Anything with trillion sounds like a, a big number, right, Walter? Oh, yeah. Uh, a trillion, I'll, I'll take that as big any I, day. I mean, how could, you, how could you ever mm -hmm. deplete that? Right, right. Exactly. But but the reality is, is we have crossed the threshold where we're beginning to draw down that reserve fund or that trust fund. And, and the reality of that trust fund is it was created out of thin air. It, it was back when Social Security was going broke. They just infused it with a about a $3 trillion stash of treasury bills that were non-marketable. So, so the treasury did not have to count it as a liability, but Social Security got to count it as a asset on their books because they were they were non-marketable securities, a little technicality there. But they're so they're already playing games with this with this reserve and, and trust fund. Then the interest on those treasuries has actually been helping fund Social Security. So you've got this payment of or movement of money from Treasury to pay interest on these you know, treasury bonds that were created out of thin air. It's a little bit of a shell game. So it's, um, it's deceptive somewhat. I think to say that we've got a $3 trillion trust fund there, this was just, uh, you know, legislatively enacted uh, funding of social security to, to, to make it viable. But now once we start drawing on it at the rate that we're progressing with more retirees, uh, especially with COVID, a lot of people have accelerated their retirement dates. And, and so we're seeing more people going into the system, more people collecting on this. People are living longer. And we will deplete that $3 trillion trust fund by probably 2034 is the, is the projection now. And here's the big number. Here's the big thing that you want to pay attention to, plan on, and build into your financial plan. At that point, because payroll taxes, FICA taxes are, are the major funding source, they'll be able to pay about 78% of benefits, okay? So, so your worst case scenario is to run your financial plan as though your benefits are gonna be cut by about at 22 to, to 25% in the mid 2035s, 2034, 2035. Now, here's why that's not gonna happen. I mean, you, can, you should plan on it just in case and, and, and see what would happen, but it would be political suicide to let benefits get cut by 22%. I mean, could you imagine the uproar? Oh, I mean, if, you're, if, you're okay. talking about people living on fixed incomes and then having these drastic cuts. I mean, be mm -hmm. not good. Yeah. So I remember back in the uh, you know late 70s, early 80s, I, I had a paper route up in Minnesota delivering the Minneapolis Star and Tribune. And people who were on fixed incomes back in that day, they literally had to make the choice to cancel and not receive a newspaper because their the inflation was outstripping their uh, fixed incomes, and we're seeing you know inflation return today. So, rising inflation that impacts cost of living adjustments, 
people, more people retiring, more people living longer. The strain on Social Security is going to be real, but we're not going broke. We're not going to a position where you're not going to get a Social Security benefit. And I talk to a lot of younger people and they're like, oh, well, if Social Security is even there for me, you know, it's, it's going to be there. It was set up as a pay-as-you-go system. Originally, there were about 40 to 42 people paying in for every recipient. So that spread it around. It was not that classic insurance type uh, setup where you get a lot of people paying in, a few people collecting. And, you know, today we're down to like two and a half people paying in to every recipient. And life expectancy has gone up dramatically. So people are collecting these benefits for a lot, lot longer. So with payroll taxes as the primary source of, uh, funding, that could be a key area. And we'll, we'll come back to this and talk about who's going to pay, who's going to benefit, and, and how to benefit from all this. Uh, that, that reserve, that trust fund, that interest that they're collecting on that you know, funding money trust fund is about 7% of Social Security's uh, you know, revenue right now. Well, as they deplete that trust fund, that funding source will go away. And then you know, the occasional you know, statutory infusion it, it is the other source. So if, if there is a uh, lack of funding, if there's money that's emergency funds that are needed, Congress can act and you know pump money into the system. So the, the, these are the ways that Social Security has been funded and you know, likely will, will continue. So. And this isn't the first time that we've ha- seen headlines like this. I mean, it's, these have been decades in the making, these kinds of headlines, right? Oh, oh, absolutely. So um, let me take you back to uh, do a little history lesson here. T- I'll take you back to 1983. What, what year were you born, Walter? 87. 87. Okay. So this, this is prehistory for you and, and producer Andrea. But in 1983, Social Security was on the brink of being broke. But this was a different time. This was, this was an era that you might not recognize today because there was actually an era where politicians would would broker compromises. Okay, R- Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill got together and they they hammered it out and uh, Social Security was on the literally on the verge of of being broke. And what they came up with was a, was a compromise where they would continue to pay Social Security benefits, but they would apply some means testing or wage brackets where if you earned above a certain amount, your Social Security would be taxable. Well, prior to that, all Social Security benefits had been tax-free. So this this was a, a clever way to cut benefits and target it for you know for the rich folks, those, those that made over you know thirty-two to forty-four thousand. There were there were different tiers where your Social Security benefit would become taxable. Well, this worked, and uh, the other compromise that they made was they would delay the full retirement age from 65 to uh, 67. Okay, now think about this. It's taken them 40 years to increase the claiming age by two years because we're, we're now at the, at the point where people who will be drawing Social Security have to be you know, full 67 years old to, to collect their full benefit. So, so ma- massive energies, negotiations, and, and monumental movements to, to move an inch, essentially. To, to, right, right. And, and to be fair, that's, the stability of the program is, is paramount. And so they're not going to make drastic changes. They're not going to do drastic cuts. They'll, they may wait till the last minute to fix it, but they're not going to just let it come crashing down. 
And, you know, if you, if you want to worry more about this, you, you could take a look at the bottom of your social security statement and, you know, you could read the disclaimers that, you know, if, if there's a, you know, if Congress fails to act and the, the program is not funded, you know, they, they can cut the benefit. But like I said, that would probably be political suicide. Now, all this is good to take into account, Brian, but we are in a new age, a new world with everything that's happening uh, globally right now. I mean, I don't even think we have to touch on the war that's happening uh, between you know Russia and Ukraine and all of us others kind of watching and sort of dabbling a little bit in what's going on over there. We don't even have to enter that into the equation, and yet we're still dealing with some really big issues like inflation and uh, you know job job situations across the country. How does all that factor into then evaluating kind of Social Security and this big question of is, if it's going broke? Because that has to be a whole bunch of new complications to kind of throw onto the heap. Yeah, uh, cost of living adjustments would be impacted by rising inflation. That That's going to cause higher increases to the cost of living payments for, for Social Security. That's going to deplete mean, that, the trust. That could be a win for a politician, right? Like, uh, hey, you're getting a cost of living adjust, adjustment uh, this year, but if it's only, you know, point point zero some percent and inflation's, you know, off the charts, then it seems like a political win for them, but there's no way that's keeping up, right? Well, yeah, it, it, it's a smoke and mirrors kind of game, too, to to say you got a nice 5% increase in your social security benefit, but cost of living went, went up seven and a half percent, you're still going backwards. So it, it's not a, it, it's not the great advantage that it is. And they have really played with that, that CPI number that they use as a way to reduce cost of living adjustments. And we'll, we'll talk about that again in a minute too, but yeah. And, and the, you know, the great retirement with, with COVID, we've seen an increase of 3.3 million People age 65 to 74 that have left their jobs uh, you know, between January of 2020 and October 2021. So the, the, there's just a larger percentage of the workforce not working, not paying in, not earning. And you've got this you know, disproportionate percentage of the population that's you know, now drawing benefits. And, and, and to take you back to life expectancy when Social Security was created was 62. And you weren't supposed to collect it until 65. Compare that today, you can collect as early as 62 and people are living, you know, decades into retirement. So it's a very different dynamic today than when they originally set this up. Well, uh, it sounds like the big message is Social Security not going away, even if it, quote unquote, is going broke. It's going to be all of these, you know, dozens and, and, you know, hundreds, maybe over the course of many years, little tiny tweaks and changes. So what are we really trying to grasp and, and what are we looking at in advance of, you know, a lot of these different proposals and, and changes here? Yeah. So, again, if I, if I take you back to 1983, when, when Reagan and, and Tip O'Neill hammered out a compromise on Social Security, there were cost of living adjustment provisions, changes to benefit amounts, changes to full retirement and claiming ages. There were changes to payroll taxes and, and changes to how your social security benefits were actually taxed. So that gives us some insight and, and look ahead to what might happen in the future. So I've tried to narrow this down to a digestible number of uh, options. And, and I've tried to focus on the ones that are most going to impact my clients and my, you know, my typical clients. And, and there, there's more to this if you really want to dig in and do some research on it. But I've bullet pointed some of the proposed changes and have provided the calculated benefit that this would provide to the deficit. 
So as we go through these follow this following list, you'll get a sense of which ones are going to make the most impact, which ones are going to get you know the most quick and and uh, largest resolution to to the shortfall, and that's going to that that should inform what is likely to happen, and then you can use that information to come back and and make your planning adjustments. That's helpful, Brian. All right, so lots of different little tweaks and adjustments that we can look forward to. What Anything else really jump out to you in terms of kind of evaluating this future future Social Security adjustments and, and what would be maybe the easiest to absorb for our listeners? One of the biggest opportunities to tweak Social Security benefits is going to be from the cost of living adjustment changes. And there's been a shift from using CPIW to chain CPI. I'm going to break that down and make it simple. Uh, standard cost of consumer price index means that you know, if orange juice goes up to $10 a glass, then they leave that in the basket and calculate the cost of living or the inflation on that number. Chain CPI means we're going to account for the ability to, for people to make substitutions. So if orange juice gets up to $10 a glass, we might switch to something else. And they'll, they'll make these substitutions into the basket of goods calculating CPI. And that that helps reduce the projected inflation and therefore the, the cost of living adjustment that they're going to make. So it's a cut. It's like a sneaky way of, of, of cutting the benefit that, that you have to pay by using a different consumer price index. They can probably get away with this. Uh, and implementing this change actually solves 18% of the deficit. If you lay on top of that, a call it an Irma. Anybody that's uh, had higher income and got stuck paying larger Medicare premiums because of it, it's called income-related monthly adjustment amount. And this is a phase out. This would be a phase out of cost of living adjustments above certain income thresholds. So if they said, "Well, you know, you're you're a rich person. You've got a high income. You don't need a cost of living adjustment. You, you've got plenty of other money." And this becomes a way of, and this is this is politically popular because it it goes after the the one percent or the means testing that that people want would like to apply to this. But these changes could uh, you know solve anywhere from eighteen to you know twenty percent of the deficit. So cost of living adjustments and elimination of cost of living adjustments if you have too much income. Just to give you a ballpark of what those numbers are for a single person, that'd be over about ninety four thousand five hundred. And for joint earners, it's over 189,000. So a lot of people may not be impacted by these numbers. But if you're a high earner, if you're going to continue to work into retirement, if you've got investment income and things like that, these numbers could could be you know fairly easy to to hit. You throw in your Social Security, your required minimum distribution, your dividends, uh, pensions. You you add all that up, you could you could cross the hundred thousand dollar or or even two hundred thousand dollar threshold. And, um, you know, boom, you, you could become one of the candidates for, for solving this shortage. There's one more here that's uh, CPIE, which is Consumer Price Index for the Elderly. And this accounts for the rise in uh, healthcare costs and other costs as you age. They're probably not going to do this because this actually has a negative impact, right? So it, anything that increases the you know consumer price index in the future means more benefits they're going to have to pay out. This actually has a negative twelve percent 
factor. So it's pretty likely they'll stick with that chain CPI number. And if you earn too much money, you may not get a cost of living adjustment is, is probably how I best summarize that one. Okay. But it's not all about cost of living adjustments, right? There's other solutions here too? Yeah. So they, they could change the PIA uh, formulas and that's, that's the uh, calculation for calculating your benefit. And, and let me just give you a, a quick rundown of how your benefit is calculated. I don't think most people really know and understand this. When you pay uh, FICA tax, you're, you're familiar with the progressive income tax, right? right. The, the, your first dollars are taxed at 10%, and then there's some that are taxed at 12%. And then the higher you go, you get into the 22% and 28% tax brackets. Well, your Social Security is, benefit is calculated almost the opposite of that. Your first $1,000 that you earn, Social Security is going to replace 90% of that, right? So if you, if you make, you know, call it $12,000, $13,000 a year, you should expect that a little over $900 of that would be your Social Security benefit. So it's very advantageous at the lower end. This really helps people who are, you know, have been low earners. You know, it, it helps them keep that, that income intact. But once you cross the threshold from $1,024 per month up to $6,172 a month, you're paying Social Security tax on that, the 6.2%. Your employer pays 6.2%. So you've got 12.4% of your income going to FICA taxes. If you're the business owner, you're paying both sides of that. Social Security will, will replace about 32% of those dollars. So from $1,000 to $6,000 a month, you're going to replace $1,500 per year. Okay. So if, if, if you're making, we'll call it $72,000, $73,000 per year, you're looking at right now about a $2,400 social security benefit, but you're paying taxes all the way up to $142,800. Now that additional amount, you're going to get a 15% credit on those dollars towards your benefit. So th that's that's probably another thousand uh, dollars, which gets you pretty close to the eight hundred to thousand dollars. Gets you pretty close to the uh, Social Security maximum benefit. Well, the current law by raising the wage cap. All right. So today at one hundred forty-two thousand eight hundred dollars, you're paying eight thousand eight hundred fifty-three dollars in FICA taxes. I think that went goes up a little bit for twenty twenty-two. Then. Everything you earn above 142,800, you have no more FICA tax. So what they're really talking about is lifting this cap on wages that would be taxed for FICA. Well, if they do that, you're going to end up with an unintended consequence. If I make $2 million a year, $3 million a year, well, the idea is to get those people to pay more to help fund social security shortfalls. But the way the law is written, if you if you tax on that full amount, they're going to get 15% of that amount credited to their Social Security benefit, and you're going to end up with high, high earners qualifying for potentially massive Social Security benefits. I, I don't think that's what they they want to happen, and I'll, I'll talk about what they could potentially do uh, to, to fix that. But that's, this, is, this is highly likely to, to get uh, passed, and it's 
going to have the, the biggest impact and it goes after the, the villainous uh, 1% that they, they keep talking about. So what they could do is means test your benefit, right? You, you got too much savings. You've got too much other income. Uh, we're just going to reduce or eliminate benefits. Well, that would be unpopular. Social security is one of the most popular programs we have. And people like it because everybody that pays in gets a benefit. And then there's some people that don't pay in, uh, family members, uh, surviving spouses, children, things like that, uh, minor children that, that would get some benefits. But you've, you know, somebody has paid in to, to earn those benefits. If they start taking benefits away from those who pay in, it's going to turn the tide on the, the popularity of the program. So with, with that having a 15% positive impact, it's not huge. And it, you know, we'll, we'll see where that one goes. What's more likely to happen is they would increase the full retirement age. Okay, so right, it used to be at 65, you, you qualified for your full Social Security benefit. Now we're at 67. Maybe that goes to 69. And you think about it, if you were planning to retire at 65, that, that's the conventional date for retirement. You know, most people target it at a 65. Well, you might want to be planning to work a few extra years because your full Social Security benefit may not kick in until your late 60s. And what they may do for, for those who wait to claim their benefit and you get a, a enhanced benefit by waiting till age 70 today, they may make those delayed credits continue till age 72. Making that one change, obviously, you know, people can't draw their full benefit till later. That's going to have a positive impact on the shortage by about 28%. So I would, I would put that one as highly likely uh, or, or definitely, you know, a portion of that uh, would, would be, you know, with life expectancies. Uh, last time on the podcast, we talked about the change in the uh, calculation for required minimum distributions because the IRS has updated their lifetime tables to reflect the new uh, life expectancy. So, you know, people are living longer, so we should be retiring later. And that certainly makes sense. If you were funding your own retirement, you would look at it that way. So I, I would say that's pretty likely that, that that could be coming for Social Security. There's, there's about a half a dozen other uh, things that I'll, I'll, I'll buzz through here real quick just to give you an idea of what they're looking at, how it might uh, impact Social Security claiming and, and benefits. And one of those would be to increase, this is an interesting one, because uh, you could increase the earliest eligible age from 62 to 65. Okay, so well, you know what happens from 62 to 65, you get a larger benefit. You, get your, you qualify for the, not full benefit anymore, but you would get a, a smaller reduction to your benefit by claiming early if you, if you bump that from 62 to 65. Well, guess what? It turns out that that actually has a negative impact of, of 3% that actually makes the, the shortfall worse. So by letting people claim early and get their smaller benefit sooner, that actually helps Social Security maintain their viability. So if you want proof that delaying claiming Social Security is advantageous to you, you just need to look at the mirror image of this calculation because by claiming early, you're actually helping solve the Social Security shortfall. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that does. That it's almost like we we want to still let people seek that instant gratification. Don't don't want to teach them you know better ways to go about it. 
Yeah. And, and to be fair, I mean, there, there are some people at 62, if they're, you know, injured or out of work and they can't qualify for disability, or maybe they're just, you know, they can't do the, the, the job they had been doing, making that available at 62, I think is, is actually a good thing because some people just need it. And if you have to claim your benefit early, you know, but by all means do it. But if you can wait, to me, this calculation reveals that you know, delaying is in your uh, best interest and in your favor long-term. Okay. The other thing that they could do, Walter, would be some payroll tax changes. And in one thing I, I mentioned earlier was the wage base that they, that they calculate FICA taxes on. If you go back to 1999, your first $72,600 of earnings were, were taxed for, for FICA. Well, they haven't changed the rate, but that number, that wage base that you're taxed on has doubled since then, or almost doubled. So, so we're in 1999, you may have paid $4,500 in social security taxes. You know, today that, no, that number is up close to, to 9,000. So they've effectively doubled social security taxes by just raising the wage base that is subject to social security taxes. So what could happen, what, they're, what they've talked about and, and what everybody drools over in Washington is just, let's lift the cap. Let, let's make all wages subject to FICA taxes. So you could, and we talked about this a minute ago with, you know, if, if you raise the wage cap and you've got that bend point that, that you're getting 15% credit for, you could, you could create a potentially huge uh, benefit. So what, what they could do is eliminate the taxable minimum and then put a 3% or 2% bend point on those higher wages. So that way you're getting a little bit of a benefit, you know, for all this additional tax paid, but you're not creating a massively huge benefit uh, that would, you know, be bad optics for rich people collecting uh, outsized social security benefits. Now th this one's important because if you're earning and you're in a high wage uh, situation and at the, this point in your life, you could be looking at a 6.2%. And if you're the employer and the other 6.2%, uh, 12.4% increase in FICA taxes all the way up the, the scale. Well, if, as you know, we've, we've got this progressive tax system where the more you earn, the more you pay. But if you laid an additional 12.4% uh, tax on, to, on top of somebody that's in the 39% tax bracket, that's huge. That's a, that's a massive tax increase. So um, one thing that they proposed was creating a donut hole. Do you remember the Medicare Part D donut hole? Does that Right. Yep. You, you've heard about that, I'm sure. And, and what it is, is there, there would be maybe a, a gap. So from 142,800 up to 400,000, you might have a reprieve. They would not charge you the additional uh, FICA tax. But once you get over 400,000, then it would kick back in and go, and that, that would really target the, you know, 400,000 plus group. Well, Biden proposed this, it got debated and it just died. So while this strategy has about a 57 to 66% positive impact on the social security shortfall, there's some politics that they're going to have to work on the number, uh, what the rate would be, and you know ex exactly who this this could impact. You know, because from 140 to you know 
two, three hundred thousand dollars. If you've got families and increased health premiums and inflation and, and all the costs of today, that th this could be an unpopular income bracket to, to, to target with additional FICA taxes. But above four hundred, you know, maybe uh, maybe that's fair. And then if you add in that three percent bend point for those additional wages, you know, this is a juicy opportunity for them to fix the gap in, in social security. And uh, if you're a high earner, I would pay very close attention to this one. That's interesting, though, as you list out some of these, you know, the ones have the negative impact, but then some of these solve some really big percentages of the social security problem. Oh, yeah, very much so. And, and this is why I'm putting this uh, solution percentage on here is so that you can see, oh, they're going to gravitate towards this this and this strategy, because these, these are the big ones. Uh, these other ones are negative or, or nominal, and they're just going to upset people. So, you know, we, we won't go there. They're going to hone in on these, these big funding sources. And uh, if you're in the crosshairs, then you, you should be prepared. So when people aren't getting the right advice, they're likely to fall into some of these some of these basic social security traps, right? Like the it's pretty clear that claiming too early is a is a common mistake. That's a common issue that you help people avoid when they come in to meet with you mm -hmm. among others. Yeah, that and um one thing that I've really been advocating is funding a Roth 401k. That way you you go ahead and pay the tax today, you take advantage of that full funding window. And even if you're in a higher income tax bracket, keeps all that money as your own. You're, you don't, you're not subject to required minimum distributions. You're really in control of, of some tax planning items. Well, if they layer in an additional 6.2 or 12.4 tax on wages above 400000 well, now you may want to look at you know, doing deductible 401k contributions. You may want to look at adding a, a profit sharing plan to that. Or, or maybe even overlaying a, a cash balance defined benefit plan uh, so, so that you can stuff large amounts of money into uh, tax deferred vehicles, get tax deductions today and keep those. I mean, I guess that would still hit the, the FICA income number, but th there would be some, some potential strategies there that you, you would want to look at to, to reduce the tax burden today. All right, Brian, we've gotten lots of solutions. Good to see that there's at least lots of things on the table. So it doesn't all have to just be like, all right, this is our only choice, folks. <laughs> there's other strings that can be uh, pulled and ways to solve this problem. That's better than not having any ways to solve a problem, right? Absolutely. Uh, unfortunately, all of these solutions are going to cost a lot of us a little bit more money. But, uh, you know, to, to keep the program viable, I think that's, I think everybody would consider that fair. Let me run uh, real quick through a couple other options that, that they're looking at j just for your edification. One of the things that they could do is add additional taxes or find ways to add additional taxes. Two of those relate to benefits and to investment income. So they, they're looking at making, like right now, if you're employed and you have uh, employer provided health coverage, you're not taxed on that benefit. What they're talking about is including your healthcare premiums in your earnings. And then you would be subject to, you know, taxation on those, the FICA taxes. And this is interesting. This this one surprised me. This solves 34% of the funding shortfall. So that tax-free benefit that you're getting of of health insurance from your employer, if they start counting that as income, uh, you you could pay additional tax on this currently tax-free benefit. 
and, and this, like I said, this solves 34% of the, the funding shortfall. So, so be careful. Likewise with net investment income. So right now, if you pay, you know, you have dividends, you have capital gains, what, whatever it is, you're not uh, charged any uh, FICA taxes on those. That, that's considered outside of wages. Well, they could do something like they did under the Affordable Care Act and put uh, income thresholds or surcharges and basically treat investment income as subject to FICA taxes. And boom, that solves another 34% of the, the shortfall. So they, they could come and start you know, counting all these other things as income, right? Like the income over 142,800, your bet tax-free benefits and your investment income. So there, there's a lot of uh, potential landmines out here that, uh, that, that could Im impact your other income sources. And then uh, just on a final strategy, one that was kicked around a lot, if you, if you were paying attention, you know, what was it, 20 years ago, they were talking about investing the Social Security Trust Fund in equities. Well, that was a riskier approach. It was, uh, it was hotly contested and they, they never did it. Well, right now it's too late for that. They, these benefits are going to have to be paid out. They're drawing down this trust fund. Uh, investing in equities is, is a dead strategy. So what, what's probably more likely to happen is they will um, look to these other solutions to, to fund this. And then, then a final thing uh, that I think, actually this one actually has a negative impact, but I think this one will go through. Back in the 80s, when they came up with that compromise, they created two tiers where above $32,000 of income, you half of your social security benefit was taxed and above $44,000, 85% of your benefit was taxed. Well, it's created this you know, two tiered, you know, how much my social security benefit's gonna be taxed. It, there's a little complexity there. And so what I think they might do is just create one number. So above $50,000 for a single person, above 100,000 for a joint, Above those income levels, your social security benefit would be taxed. I don't know if it's going to be 85% of it, if it's going to be all of it, uh, or some, some percentage of it. But this, this actually has a negative impact because you're, you're raising the threshold for social security to be taxed. Uh, and it's, it's a negative 3%, but the simplicity and they have not increased that number since 1983. It's, so all the cost of living adjustments have been applied to benefits and, and uh, taxable amounts for, for the wage base. But that threshold to make your benefit taxable has not been changed since the early 80s. So those numbers are really low and, and really old. So they may step those up and, and come up with a simpler system. So that's, that's my best uh, rundown of, of the things that they're kicking around and where the, the, the potential lies for them to reduce benefits, tax benefits, tax you more, tax other income. All of these things are, are potentially on the table. Wow. Lots of uh, things for Congress to debate and discuss and try to figure out from this point forward. And so how does this all play into the way that you plan or see people trying to plan on their own, Brian? And, and, and where do you see people kind of steering wrong, given the fact that all these other things are potentially in the works or at least being discussed? Yeah, well, the, the data is pretty clear. When when you, if you look at uh, retirees, in the absence of advice, people tend to claim Social Security too early. They draw their IRAs only when they have to, required minimum distributions, or if they have a, a larger purchase. 
they use their non-qualified or their their non-IRA money first, and then they use their Roth IRAs last. Well, like I said, three of those are wrong. Claiming too early, drawing out your IRA only when required minimum distributions require you to, and using your non-qualified money first. This is not including the uh, strategy of Roth conversions in there. If you reorder these sources of funds, use opportunities to delay certain benefits and accessing certain monies, and then uh, do use these opportunities to either draw IRAs or do Roth conversions. These all have very positive impacts on the viability of people's financial plans. So if you want, plan for a cut, plan for 78% of your benefits being paid, plan for tax increases. And if these negative outcomes actually materialize, you'll be prepared. Well, the way to be prepared is to have somebody on your side and in your corner and helping you dance through all of these different little obstacles and hoops to jump through and hurdles to jump over and figure out your way through the best decisions from a social security in uh, you know kind of standpoint, but also from an overall financial planning standpoint as well. If you would like to have a conversation with Brian and go through your own financial plan, see if you'd be a good fit to work together, and just have an introductory call with Brian, let's see how we can get some clarity, perhaps, around your financial goals and live the lifestyle that you want. Go to livingworth.com and click book a call. That's livingworth.com. Click book a call or call 706-451-9800. That's 706-451-9800. Brian and the team at Living Worth Wealth Advisors work with you to enhance your experience of life throughout retirement by improving the relationship that you have with your financial security. And that's all about what we're talking about on today's show. So again, go to livingworth.com and click book a call right now to schedule a time to meet with Brian from your smartphone or computer. Brian, thank you for the uh, rundown of all of this information. Uh, I, this is going to be an episode I think people might want to go back and listen to twice to uh, you know kind of get the full rundown of all these potential changes because it's inter- interesting to see the creative ways that all these strings could get pulled over the coming years. Well, let's just hope they don't wait till the last minute to, to implement them and make them more severe. That's right. Best thing you can do is to act now on some of these things. So don't, don't wait for the world to push you around. Go ahead and push your way through the world, uh, at least as it comes to Social Security, that is. Uh, Well, very good. Brian, thank you so much. And uh, we'll have another episode out soon. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks. Take care. That's Brian Doe. We're going to go eat some pizza now. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you next time on Make the Dough Rise. Make the Dough Rise is brought to you by Living Worth Wealth Advisors with a central office in Greensboro, Georgia, but serving the Lake Country and beyond. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite podcasting apps. Subscribe today and never miss an episode. Just search for Make the Dough Rise with Brian Doe. You can also visit MakeTheDoughRise.com to listen to recent episodes. If you'd like to contact the show or schedule a complimentary financial review with Brian and the team, just go to MakeTheDoughRise.com and get in touch through the website. Or call 706-451-9800. Thanks for listening to Make the Dough Rise. Investment advisory services offered through Main Street Financial Solutions, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed.